Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is Ryan Cabrera, your co-host, and I am here in Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick, how are you today? Shalom. Awesome. All right, so uh, cool stuff going on. Happy New Year to everybody. It is a new Gregorian uh, year, and so it is a good time to make some uh, resolutions and some stuff. You know what's cool about being in America and in the Hebrew roots is that we get three chances at New Year's, you know? I see that. Yeah, no, I mean, we get it. We get it. Uh, all these opportunities to just... Biblical New Year, Passover, Civil New Year, at Rosh Hashanah, yeah. And then, of course, the Gregorian New Year. That's right. No, I mean, it's exciting because, you know, we can always... And it's just like every Sabbath, we get to, you know, hey, get a little... It's a way of keeping time. We'll start over and everything. Um, All right, so here at Beit Tehillah, we had a cool change of format on our Monday night Bible studies. It used to be uh, that we had a kind of everyone facing forward. Uh, Pastor Nick and uh, Mike Cromwell had the table, and they would, uh, you know, do teaching uh, from there, and then we would pass the microphone around, and people would make comments and stuff like that. But we wanted to get it a little bit more intimate, and so here uh, with the uh, second tour portion in Exodus, we began that uh, on Monday night, where we had these small groups, groups of about eight people with two facilitators, or so ten total, and uh, we made circles in the sanctuary. And we just had a great time. A lot of cool stuff happened there. And so at the end of this podcast, if you make it all the way through, you're going to get some of the insights that we got out of our new uh, small groups studies um, uh, this Monday night. And so uh, this week, we are studying the Torah portion, big shocker. And the Torah portion is Va'ira, and that means, and I appeared. And this is found in the book of Exodus, starting at chapter 6 and verse 2, and ending in chapter 9, verse 35. Awesome, Ryan. We're going to have a good time. You know, uh, it's all relevant. You know, uh, it's interesting uh, how you study the Torah portions, and uh, uh, it actually says in the scriptures that He has declared the end from the beginning. So we are at the beginning. We are, of course, finished the book of Genesis. We are at Exodus, uh, the great book of deliverance. And so we're going to begin uh, by having Ryan is going to be reading uh, Exodus chapter 6, verses 2 through 8 to introduce us to this wonderful. Torah portion. So Exodus chapter 6, verses 2 through 8. All right, it says, And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan and the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God. And ye shall know that I am the Lord, your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it you for a, for a heritage. I am the Lord. Wow. I mean, it's a big deal here. There's some, there's some intimacy going on here now. There, there is some serious intimacy going on here because 
of course, you know, what, what God is saying is that he goes, hey, listen, uh, I, I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, or El Shaddai. El Shaddai, yeah. Uh, this is how I revealed myself, uh, as El Shaddai. Uh, it's in the Strong's Concordance. It's number 7706. Of course, God Almighty, El Shaddai. But now all of a sudden, you know, he says, hey, listen, Moses, but now I'm going to reveal myself as yod Hey vav Hey. I mean, it's number 3068 in the Strong's Concordance. It says Jehovah in the King James. We know there's no J in the Hebrew alphabet, but the... The, the of course the uh, the four letters in the Hebrew alphabet Yod Hey Vav Hey and so he's basically saying uh, I listen I'm revealing myself in a little more intimate way to you Moses and to the children of Israel than I even revealed myself to Abraham Isaac and Jacob and and that's going to of course <clears throat> lead us into an awesome uh, question uh, as, as we are, of course, uh, looking at this. Uh, has God revealed more of himself through his redemptive plan? Oh, wow. I, I absolutely think so. So, you know, uh, one of the cool things that I think here is you go from El Shaddai, which is God Almighty, and in, a, in an ancient world where there's a pantheon of different gods, El Shaddai is the Almighty God. So he's the greatest among the gods, right? But then he comes and he just basically through his name, decimates the pantheon of gods that are out there. He says, no, 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 I am that I am. And these others, they're just not. They're creation. He's a, he's a present God. Right, they're creation and I'm creator. And so <laughs> from there, how does he reveal himself to us in the New Testament? And I guess uh, the first thing I would say is if we can think of a couple uh, names for God, the one that sticks out the most to me is Yeshua. You know, it's God's salvation. It's the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And... Uh, we know that it means salvation. We know that uh, this is an actual word uh, in Hebrew, Hosea, which is salvation. You add the ya to at the beginning of it, and now it becomes God's salvation. What about Joshua? Which is which is also in, in English, Joshua. Um, I, the other name that I thought about in the way that he's revealed himself is also is the Ga'al, which you do a lot of teaching on, the kinsman redeemer. The kinsman redeemer. That's right. And so... Uh, we were talking about the Kinsman Redeemer and how cool of a concept this is. You know, we don't have this today, that, like, if you're in a family and you're in an ag- agrarian society and your brother passes away, but he's married uh, and doesn't have any kids, that is now you as the Kinsman Redeemer have the first right now to take her on as a wife to provide children What about widowed for your or fallen divorced? Brothers. Or same idea. Widowed. Widowed. Yep, and that God is and Yeshua is our Kinsman Redeemer. Um, the one that redeems us from a situation where we would not have a heritage, that we would not have a, a, a line continuing forth, a seed continuing on uh, on the earth. And of course, going back to the uh, to the debate of the sacred name, you know, I respect those that that you know want want to believe that or practice that. But but you know, we know even the scriptures. I don't have the reference here in the New Testament, but Yeshua says, "Call him Abba." Yeah. So you know, it, it's kind of interesting, you know. If my kids were to come up to me and say, hey, Nick. Or Nick, no, his name is Nicholas. Yes, Nicholas the Great. How are you? <laughs> Nicholas the Great, can I, can I come into your presence? No, they say, they say, you know, dad or daddy. Yeah. Daddy, you know, daddy. I love that, you know, uh, not to take away from the sacred name, uh, but the bottom line is that the, the time uh, that we actually reference the, the, his name being spoken, the sacred name, 
would only be among the priests at the Day of Atonement. You know, and there uh, is there is protocol. There's still a mystery there behind is, all of that. There is protocol. And the interesting part, I grew up in a uh, an interesting family. My family owns martial arts schools. Um, and so my father was Master Cabrera, right? That was what everybody called him. And so when I'm talking with other people or I'm having conversations, I would reference him as Master Cabrera. No, go ask Master Cabrera or do this, you know, or Master right. Cabrera said this or that. But when we're at home... In those, you know, quote unquote intimate settings, I call them dad or daddy. You know, I mean, that was because he he is that to me personally. You know, and, and I, we, we have to be excited because the, the, the Lord's put a couple things on my heart in regards to this. Of course, the question is, has God revealed more of himself through his redemptive plan? I mean, what, what greater way has he revealed himself than through his son, Yeshua? Uh, in John chapter 1, verses 14 uh, through 17, I'm going to read this. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Wow. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Wow. So now the word was made flesh. What word was that? See, mm. the Torah. Yeah. He is the word. He is the Torah. Uh, verse 15 of John 1, John bare witness of him and, tr- and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Verse 16, And of his fullness have we all received and grace for grace. Verse 17, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now, some people want to separate, right, the law from grace. You know, godly riches at Christ's expense is the acronym for grace. But the bottom line is that if the law was made manifest, you know, the word became Yeshua, you know, how could you separate those two? So uh, the thing that I'm also reminded of to remind everyone is that so many times in eschatology or the study of prophecy, we study the next event that is to unfold or take place. We're real big into events. But I want to submit this to all of you. Uh, I think what has superseded that at this time is, of course, the controversy of Israel today in the land uh, of the natural branches and Romans that Paul talks about or the wild branches that are grafted in. Uh, in Ephesians 2, uh, references made that once you were far away, now you have been brought near part of the commonwealth of Israel. So I'm only submitting this because we all have to consider who are we in Christ. Uh, it even says we're hidden in Christ. Uh, but this mystery is being revealed, you know. And for you to be Israel, whether you're grafted in or a natural branch, doesn't mean you replace anybody. You are a part of this redemptive plan that is unfolding, you That's know. That's right. And I think that you don't have to try to be Jewish, you know. Uh, I just did a DNA test, and, and, and there was no, you know, nothing about, you know, any Jewish DNA. Uh, that's fine. But what I'm trying to say is that uh, you have to really know who you are in Him. Uh, and that's why, you know, we don't get into one tribe at a time. We, we look at it like, hey, you know, there's Ephraim and Judah. Judah's the natural branches, Ephraim are those that are coming out of the nations, and that's God's redemptive plan. You can study this out for yourself. Uh, It's a good question to ask. As a theologian, a a scholar would ask, who is Ephraim, and where is he, and what is he doing? Uh, Is he just a picture of the past, or he is in the present moving towards his future? Uh, This is a big deal, everyone, because I personally believe that the Hebrews of the Christian faith, interpreted properly by the Holy Spirit, by his word, is not a move of God. This is not a move. This is the move, folks. This is the move to bring back the Messiah. Now, not everybody's going to participate. Not everybody's going to want to do it, but that's fine. 
but we need to see this take place. And so once again, uh, we're going to move on, but he has revealed himself throughout his redemptive plan. He continues to do that, uh, even writing Torah on minds and hearts as well. Uh, but there's also another little reminder here in, in Exodus 6.8. I'm going to have Ryan read Exodus 6.8. Uh, this is very important to understand. If For those of you that are, that are grafted in or if you're in Christ, you're, you're the seed of Abraham. Check this out, Exodus 6, 8. It says, And I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for a heritage. I am the Lord. So he's basically telling the children of Israel, listen, I'm bringing you out to bring you to a special place. Right. And he's saying, I am the I, I am. I didn't bring you out to take you to Miami. Yeah. I'm not bringing you out to take you, you know... To L.A., I'm taking you to the land. And well, and, why does he say, I am the Lord? I am the I am. It's because he's the one with the ability to do it. Right. So that's chapter 6. Uh, we're going to get into Exodus chapter 7. We're going to be reading uh, verses 1 through 5. Uh, and Ryan is going to, of course, be reading. All right, here we go. Until yeah. we get another reader. We could get another reader. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? Like a guest reader? Yeah, a guest reader. I don't know. Right now, I feel pretty content. You know? I know. You don't want to give up that reading, do you? I know. I really I know. do. Like, I'm starting to get my reading voice going. I know. It's only your second tour cycle here at <laughs> Studio A. I'm so excited. You can read. Let's go. All right. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Thou shalt break all that I command... Thou shalt speak. I'm sorry. Thou shalt speak... All that I command thee, and Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh, that he send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt, and bring forth mine armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by my great judgments." And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth mine hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Wow. So, you know, think about it, everyone. You know, we, we talk about all these scenarios that are being played out today. Uh, but how is uh, the Lord going to bring out the children of Israel in Exodus 7 4? How is he going to bring them out? He's going to lay his great hand upon Egypt by great judgments. By great judgments. Yeah. You know, uh, Jonathan Kahn was even referencing that uh, he believes that throughout the earth there will be judgment throughout the earth, but there'll also be, uh, you know, uh, revival, revival oh, yeah, among sure. the the, uh, the, uh, the children of Israel, the children of God. Uh, we go on to look at uh, something very interesting in reference to the birth order. We can deduct that Miriam was the firstborn, uh, Aaron is eighty-three, and Moses is eighty, based upon Exodus seven seven. Uh, so just food for thought there, just for something to think about. little note here, the birth order. Miriam was the firstborn. Then there was Aaron at 83 and Moses at 80. So remember, Miriam was the, the, the sister that watched uh, Moses go down the Nile River. She kept an eye on him until, of course, Pharaoh's daughter uh, retrieved Moses through her maidservants. And, of course, um, this is one of the things that the, the Jewish sages have said that... Uh, uh, Pharaoh's daughter was very compassionate, and you'll notice as Moses is growing up throughout his life, he has a lot of compassion. Uh, he's moved by compassion. You know, when he saw two Hebrews, you know, uh, or even the Hebrew gentleman being, you know, beaten by the taskmaster of the Egyptian, you know, he took him out, you know, and based upon the compassion of, of his own people. And yeah. of course, he saw two Hebrews fighting, and he tried to break it up, you know, because of his compassion. Why are you fighting? And, and they accused him of 
of course, killing someone, and they, they discovered that, and of course, he became a fugitive, and of course, where does Moses go? He goes to a well, and he helps uh, Jethro's daughters to uh, water the flock, and he chases out the uh, Shows more the compassion. The bully shepherds, and uh, yeah, he shows more compassion. So, you know, as we begin to look at this particular chapter, uh, we have, of course, the very first miracle that Moses and Aaron performed before Pharaoh was that Aaron's rod became a serpent. Mm-hmm. Okay, Aaron's rod became a serpent. This was a miracle, but here we go. Can Satan do miracles? Can he do like some sleight of hand tricks? He's he's tricky. Hey, Pharaoh's wise men, sorcerers, and magicians had their rods turned into serpents, but Aaron's rod swallowed them up. That's right. Exodus chapter seven verses eleven and twelve. So once again, you can see where the, where Satan is doing some some of his shenanigans. You know, some of his deceptive uh, things going on there. You know, and so we of course um, we can see that. But what happens? Aaron's rod swallows up all of those other rods. Boy, that was a that was a sight to behold. So now we're going to get into the plagues. Okay. Oh, and by the way, we haven't brought this up yet, but we will bring it up later. You know, uh, it talks about God hardening Pharaoh's heart. We're going to get into that as well as we develop this story. You know, God knows all, sees all, but, you know, we all have a choice to make. Pharaoh had to make a choice. And uh, we're going to see as this is played out, he chooses to harden his heart, you know. And so uh, we're going to be looking at the first plague uh, in Exodus chapter 7, verses 14 through 25. Uh Ryan, what was the very first plague? All right, so the very first plague is that uh, he turns the uh, the water, the Nile, into blood. So all the water sources are going to be turned to blood. Do you want to go ahead and read verse 17? Uh, I sure can. It says here, Thus saith the Lord, In this thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Uh, behold, I will smite with the rod that is in mine hand upon the waters which are in the river, and they shall be turned to blood. So once again, all the water sources are turned to blood, even the wells. It wasn't just the river. So all the water sources were, of course, contaminated. And, uh, and of course, uh, the hardening of the heart with Pharaoh is going to continue. And, of course, and seven days were fulfilled after that the Lord had, of course, uh, smitten the river. Um, well, you know, it's interesting you know, about this whole idea of hardening of the heart. That same word, I believe, means strengthen. Am I right? Yeah, we're going to get into that okay. as we actually get towards the end of our uh, uh, Torah portion. We're going we're we're to do that as a discussion because we need to make this relevant. Um, let's go ahead, and uh, Ryan's going to be reading uh, Exodus chapter 8, verses 1 through 7. So we've uh, completed chapter 6 and 7. We're in Exodus chapter 8, continuing on with the second plague. All right, and uh, this is chapter 8, verses 1 through 7. It says, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thine house, and into thy bedchamber, and upon thy bed, and into the house of thy servants and upon thy people, and into thine ovens, and into thine kneading troughs. And the frogs shall come up both on thee, and upon the people, and upon all thy servants. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. 
And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh... Oh, so that's it. Sorry. And then the magicians did so as well. So so all of a sudden, you know, yeah, we have uh, the plague of frogs. And once again, the magicians did the same. They could produce frogs as well. And, uh, and so we see this story developing now. Uh, it's building up. Now, we don't know the uh, references as far as uh, lapses of time in between, uh, but we know that the first uh, plague was turning the river into blood, and now the second one is the frogs. And uh, in Exodus 8.8, 8, it says, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may go sacrifice unto the Lord. Yeah. Okay. Um, and of course, in Exodus chapter 8, verses 16 through 19, once again, Pharaoh hardened his heart and did not let the people go. And, and Ryan, the thought just came to my mind just now. Uh, it's interesting how God always uses people to reach other people. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, Moses and Aaron are like, they're like the mediators between God and the people. Yeah, and and the thought came to my mind, Ryan. You know, as I as I as I as I feel overwhelmed to the point of, you know, I strongly believe in reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles, and I really believe that God is raising up uh, Beit Tehila, myself as a spokesman for Beit Tehila, to say, hey, it's time for reconciliation. Okay, uh, and I just I just can't get away from it. You know, so we could all say, well, Lord, I just pray that they get it from you. Lord, I pray they just connect to you. I hope they just get it. You know, mm. you know, or whatever a package comes in the mail or something. You know, but God's going to use people. How will they know unless they're sent? So He's put it on me pretty heavy with my pastor friends to say, "Hey, listen, we need to respect the Jewish people." Uh, and yes, I'm going to say this statement: We need to respect Judaism. We need to respect the way people are expressing their faith, what they believe, because they have been given a free will. And just listen closely, everyone. If we do not do that, if we try to do all these other things, it's sorcery. You are manipulating people, putting guilt trips on people, because once again, it's your choice to love the Lord and to follow Him and to practice your faith the way you want to. And that's why we live in this country. We have the freedom from religion, you know. Uh, so once again, Pharaoh's hardening his heart. He won't let the people go. Yep. No, you no. Know, and it takes a lot to let the people go because there's a lot involved in that, Ryan. Yeah. It's not just the leaders and the men and the children and the, and the livestock. It's the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah. There's none of this. Well, let, you know, you're going to see throughout the story, Pharaoh's like, well, you go, Moses. Oh, no, it's me and the men. Okay, well, you and the men. Okay, but we got to take our little ones. we got to take livestock. Yeah. And Pharaoh keeps saying, well, I'll let you do this. I'll let you do that. You'll even say, well, I'll let you do it in the land. But you can't go outside the land. Yeah. And he says, no, that's an abomination. We can't do such things. So this story is unfolding after the second plague, even with the frogs and the hardening of, of, of Pharaoh's heart. So a couple of things I found interesting here is through this process of the plagues, God is step-by-step step, uh, showing his authority, his complete control, uh, and just his, his utter power over the forces of the earth and over what they would say are gods, because they're worshiping these, um, 
these gods. And so, interestingly enough, many of you probably have heard that each one of the plagues is the defeat, basically, of one of the Egyptian gods in their pantheon. Yeah, he's coming after the Egyptian gods. Right, so the Nile turns to blood uh, is obviously the defeat of the, the god of the Nile. And the, the god Osiris had the Nile as his bloodstream. The god uh, Happy was uh, the god of the annual flooding of the Nile. And there's another one called Kanum, which was the guardian over the river's source. Um, and then he, we go to the frogs. Now, there was a, a Hept was an Egyptian goddess with the head of a frog. But here's what's funny. God is showing his power, and you notice that the magicians also could bring forth the plague of frogs. But how stupid do they have to be to double plague themselves. It's I mean, all the frog legs you can eat. It's like nanny nanny boo boo, right? Like God is just showing like, oh, guess what? You're going to be so quick to try to show that you're so powerful as me, but I just tricked you into plaguing yourself with and, more and, frogs. And, fr- and frogs are creepy, man. I don't know, man. They're like a tadpole. They turn into a frog. It's just, God's a creator, <laughs> but I'm saying that it's creepy, man. Cause you know, frogs are in revelation. I'm you know? with you. I'm not the really reference a frog. And some people, yeah. they get freaked out over frogs and they jump and hop and freak you out and, there's poisonous frogs and and everything, but you know, <clears throat> think about it. As, as we move on to uh, continue moving on in chapter eight, uh, verses uh, sixteen through nineteen, we're going to have this third plague of lice, you know, uh, which is you know insect, you know uh, yeah. lice. And um, well, he strikes the dust of the earth, and it brings forth the lice from the dust of the earth, right? And so yeah. Now, what I love about this particular plague is in Exodus uh, chapter 8, verses 18 and 19. I'm going to read it. It says here, And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice upon man and upon beast. Then the magician said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. You know, that's why we got to be praying for our president, you know, yeah. and his cabinet, his, his administration, because, you know, our, our President Trump can, can be, you know, he can play hardball, you know, he can harden his heart and, and, and not surround himself with good people, you know, that really care about him or care about this country. So, you know, this is the same thing, you know, so the magicians is a part of his administration and they're saying, hey, listen, this is the finger of God. Yeah. This guy is real and, and we cannot reproduce lice. So, yeah. so he brought this on. We don't know nothing about this God or how he's done this plague, but by the finger of God. You know, and and we could break up into a lot of cool things about the finger of God because we know that the finger of God, they wrote the Torah. The finger of God was written by the finger of God. The Torah and was with written. the finger of God, we cast out that's the devils. What, right? That's what he was saying. I believe it's in Luke, the Gospel of Luke. Yep. Yeshua says, "By the finger of God, I cast out devils to let you know that the kingdom of God has come upon you." Oh yeah. You know, everybody. You know. The deal breaker for me is, man, if you don't believe that Jesus is God, God is Jesus, that's a deal breaker. That's tough, you know, because I'm telling you, Jesus is God, and uh, we need to know this. We need to teach this. This is part of doctrine, uh, the doctrine of deity, you know, and if you even look at our culture and what's happening in our culture, you know, people are claiming deity, and that's a dangerous place to be, a dangerous place to be. And remember this, everyone, uh, our God is a creator, and uh, Satan is not. He can't create anything. He manipulates the very things of God. And I'm glad Ryan brought that up. Something about, like, what is it, like the head of a frog, this God? Yeah. 
See, see, it's this cross contamination. You know, I was in Walmart a- after you know after this holiday season. Just she was look- their goddess of fertility. I think. Yeah, and I was just looking at some of the board games, some different things. You know, and, and there's this there's this one game that you throw this little ring on somebody, and they have a tail and ears. You know, it's like this animal magnetism thing. Like, like, listen, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, we are made in the image of God. We are not hybrids, folks. And this is where we've, it's all been twisted, you know, even with all these superheroes, the Avengers and stuff, you know. If you go back and look at Gaal, the kinsman redeemer, the Avenger, it's, it's Yeshua. He's the original Avenger. And so we see all this cross-contamination, these hybrids of stuff. Uh, I, I remember going by Publix one time, they said, oh, we have hybrid sushi. That's scary. Hybrid sushi? Like a combo of things, you know, half of this and half of that or whatever. But it's, it's in our culture. <laughs> They're just bringing it to our culture. Hybrid you know? vehicles. I mean, half and gas so, and half you know, electric. What where, an abomination! This is the contamination. Though. I know. So, th- thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm just. I feel led to, to share this. God wants Israel, 100 percent Israel. You're grafted in, wild branch, natural branch. He wants Israel. He wants his children back, and that's why we're coming out of the nations. That's why we're yeah. getting organized. That's why we're that's doing right. what we're doing. And before know? I let this get past us, we move on to the next plague. Geb was the god over the dust of the earth. Uh, or the Egyptian god of the dust of, over the dust of the earth, and so he has now been defeated. And uh, and as I was saying, you know, the the magicians slowly but surely they fall by the wayside, right? The god showing his his utter power. Uh, so in the last plague, he tricked them into plaguing themselves, and in this plague, they can't perform it, and they have to declare right God as God. But see, here's the thing, though. Right, a lot of people declare God, but do you have a relationship with him? No. Clearly. So the fourth plague is going to be a swarm of flies. Uh, We can see this in Exodus chapter 8, verses 20 through 32. A swarm of flies. You know, flies always signify death. Beelzebub, when you see that in the New Testament, he was Lord of the flies. Wherever you have flies, there is death and a stench. And the average uh, lifespan of a house fly or a a fly is, is only 30 days. So one cycle, one lunar cycle. You know, I know it's an interesting thought, but anyway, think about it. So when you think of a swarm of flies, uh, think of death, because you'll always uh, find the flies on a carcass or on something dead or stench or whatever it is. You know, you'll always find those flies. And so we could see that, of course, uh, in the fourth plague in uh, Exodus um, so, 8.21. So a couple things about the fourth plague. Uh, the first thing is that um, if it is in fact flies, then uh, this would be um, defeating the god Kepri, the Egyptian god Kepri, which had a head of a beetle and also controlled the movement of the sun. So they said there were so many flies, right, that they, they couldn't see the sun. But uh, Jewish tradition would hold it that instead of flies, it was actually uh, a basically herds of wild animals, lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Uh, you know, all kinds of different wild animals that were eating the flesh of the people and, you know, attacking and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting take, I mean. Uh, but, you know, it's it's like anything. So uh, the, now we're going to see some separation going on here because the flies were not in Goshen uh, where the children of Israel lived in Exodus eight twenty two. Once again, the flies were not in Goshen where the children of Israel lived. Now, you know, we can see where things happen in life. The debris of sin hits all of us. Uh, it rains on the just and the unjust, but I will say that if you build your house uh, on Yeshua's words, on that foundation, uh, when the storms and the winds come, we will stand. Well, and what's cool, and it's more relational. What's cool about this is, you know, we we hear a lot about the end times and what's going to happen and who's going to be here for the tribulation and when the timing of the rapture and stuff is, and we're not going to get into that. But 
Just suffice it to say that God protects his people. And so now, what does he say? He says he makes a separation uh, between Goshen, where the Israelites are, and the rest of the uh, country of Egypt. And so this distinction is made between God's people and the nations. And the question, I guess, that begs for all of us is, wh- what, where do you want to stake your flag? Do you want to stake it in Goshen with God's people and have protection? Whatever form that may take, in this case, God's plaguing Egypt, but yet not Goshen, and Goshen is part of Egypt. Or is it, you know, whatever else, you know, what other other you manifestations know, it with everything that's on? happening in, in, in the earth today, Ryan, you know, I, I want to stick with the Lord. I want to go by His leading, you know, because this is important. So you want to put your stake your flag in Goshen? What you're saying? That's it. I mean, you with know, the Lord. And here's the thing: in Exodus eight twenty three, it says, "And I will put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall this sign be." Mm-hmm. Uh, this word uh, "division" is actually actually in the Hebrew. It says in my Strong's Concordance or in my Keyword Study Bible, the word is "redemption." So, and I will put a redemption between my people and thy people. That's right. So we are responding to God's redemption because right. salvation belongs to our God. It is a gift to the homo sapien race. Yep. It is a gift to those that are made in the image of God. Redemption is not for, for Satan and the fallen angels, familiar spirits. They have no redemption. You need to understand this. And they're trying to pull us away from redemption. They're trying to thwart redemption from our life. Yep. But we need to recognize redemption in the Lord, in Yeshua, every chance that we have. And so... You know, uh, it goes on that Pharaoh agreed to let Israel sacrifice in the land, but Moses said that they needed to go on a three days journey to avoid an abomination. So Pharaoh's like, you could go ahead and sacrifice to your God right here in the land. He says, no, we cannot do that because it's a culture thing. It would be an abomination to offer up these animals because they're sacred or whatever. Uh, Exodus chapter 8, verses 25 through 27. But once again, God is making a distinction, Ryan, between people today. That's right. Who wants to be normal? What is normal? You know, who just wants to be average? I'm just a believer. You know, I couldn't yeah. leave her if I tried. Uh, you know, and I saw her face. Verse 22. Now I'm a believer. Verse 22, God actually says, and I will sever in that day the land of Goshen. So he's he's not just making a distinction. He's saying, look, this, this is going to be cut off. There's, the there's a line in the sand, Ryan. Right. I mean, everything that we're doing in the Hebrews of the Christian faith, everything that we do at Beitiel is a clear line drawn in the sand. That's right. We worship... On the Shabbat, we, we, we come together Friday night in our homes, we bring in the Shabbat, there's a line in the sand. That's right. We're not out the food court, we're not at football games, we're celebrating Shabbat. You know, uh, the, the feast days are there, you know, we're, we're, we're getting ready, we're getting the calendar year ready for the new feast cycle coming up this year, uh, kicking it off with, of course, the, the great celebration of Purim, but we're, we're moving forward. Uh, we have the Torah portions every week. These particular tour portion uh, that we're going through will be actually uh, this Friday night all over the world in every synagogue. Uh, Christians are getting Torah because he's writing Torah on minds and hearts. So, so once again, uh, there is a division, a clear distinction today among a lot of believers, you know, as we move forward, as we are even spirit-filled as well. That's right. Uh, so we get into, of course, uh, in chapter 9 of Exodus, uh, Ryan's going to read verses 1 through 7. Uh, we're going to be going into the fifth plague. All right, here we go. It says, Then the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh and tell him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if thou refuse to let them go, and wilt hold them still, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle, which is in the field. 
upon the horses, upon the donkeys, upon the camels, upon the oxen, and upon the sheep. There shall be a grievous moraine, a very grievous moraine. And the Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, and there shall nothing die of all that is the children of Israel, children's of Israel. And the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in the land. And the Lord did that thing on the morrow, and all the cattle of Egypt died, but the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not one of the cattle of the Israelites dead. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. Wow, the fifth plague now, a grievous moraine. Uh, Once again, the cattle of Israel did not die. There's a distinction. You know, think about it, right? The Bible says that the promises are to us and our children and our children's children. Mm. In Deuteronomy 30, verses 1 through 3, it simply says that, hey, you will return from where I scattered you. You and your children, you will return back to me with all of your heart. Yeah. And that, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So once again, the cattle of Israel did not die. So I believe the Father is giving us everything that we need to come back to Him and to fulfill the prophecies, and to receive our inheritance. And this is a sign of resources that God's going to protect our resources as well. And and a promise is a divine assurance of good. Mm -hmm. Well, we think, well, this is a promise, and that's a promise, but it's not a divine assurance of good if it's within our own context, with our own mindset. Uh, God has a divine assurance of good. So as these things unfold and happen to us, which is life, He is leading us uh, to a great inheritance. That's right. Uh, moving into, of course, the sixth plague. Hang on, before we get past, I gotta, I gotta, plague. I gotta tell the people about the fifth plague. You know, so this is defeating the god uh, Hathor, uh, Hathor, who, who was a, a fertility goddess, uh, also the goddess of love and protection, uh, who is often depicted with the head of horns of a bull and sometimes as a bull wearing uh, the symbols of Hathor. So. Very, very interesting, huh? Wow, he's going after it. He's going after it. And it would make sense, because who created these false gods but Satan himself? Influencing human, the humankind, you know, mankind. He's just, he's just infiltrating to get us to worship other gods. And okay. boy, that, that goes against the commandments. We can now move on to... to All right, six. the sixth plague, boy, this is painful, boils. You know, I've, I've had, had a staph a infection one yeah. time, I had a boil on the side of my head, Ooh. on my temple. That was painful. Mm. Oh, a boil. I had one in my leg one time. A boil. No fun. Oh, my gosh. It could be like an infection, an ingrown hair or something, but a boil. Uh, Boils are really, really bad. I mean, it says here that the boils affected the Egyptians, beasts, and even the magicians. I don't know if it's the same uh, Hebrew word that uh, Job experienced, because remember he had boils and sores all over his body. I don't know if it is. And man, I, I mean, Job is the man. If he could go through that, I mean, they didn't even have a dermatologist back then. And that that's just painful. Yeah, and I, mean, this, I can't even I can't even fathom that. I find these these little bits interesting in the way God brings these about. It says, "And the Lord said to Moses and, and unto Aaron, Take to you handfuls of ashes of the furnace, and let Moses sprinkle it toward heaven in the sight of Pharaoh, and it shall become small dust in the land of Egypt, and shall be a boil breaking forth, with blains upon man and upon beast throughout all the land of Egypt." So interesting how. Um, you know, God gives them these instructions on, on how to bring these plagues. Oh, absolutely. Plagues. To a T. Oh, yeah, exactly. Do this. Right. Do yeah. that. Right, well, and, 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 you know, maybe God didn't need to do that, right? But, you know, I think that for us to participate and, and be part of the do process... Do what you're told. Do what you're told. Amen. And it seems benign. You know, take some ashes, sprinkle it in the air, you know, throw your stick on the ground. How about, don't worry about the why. Just do as God says, and He'll you know, take care of it. And people give me a hard time, because the, the Lord's like, let the, let the Jewish people come to Beit Tehillah, build relationships with them, let them come share. 
I mean, that's an easy instruction for me. I can do that. Let them stay with you. Walk to the, you know, to the church with them. Yeah. You know, so so we're moving on here. All right, hang uh, on, Boils. Uh, oh, Isis Boils. is the goddess of health, and Imhotep was the god of healing. Wow. And so this is, I mean... So they I, had multiple gods in Egypt. You oh, better believe it. At least 10. And I think we're getting multiple. Like, some of these plagues are taking down like two birds and one stone. You know what I'm saying? Wow. And this was the known empire back then. That's this true. This was the most prominent empire back then. That's true. So the seventh play is found in Exodus chapter 9, verses 13 through 35. That's quite an extensive reading of scriptures there. It was a very grievous hail in verse 18 of Exodus 9, a very grievous hail. Uh, Fire was mingled with the hail when it came down, and the land of Goshen was spared. Uh, Exodus chapter 9, verses 24 through 26. So uh, apparently um, there was no what in Goshen? They didn't have what lice. That from from lice. No, from uh, flies. No, from lice on. From lice on. Yeah. It didn't affect Goshen. Right. They were like in another world, another yeah. realm. And uh, so, Pastor Curtis Taylor would call it the Goshen bubble. That's where I want to be. I want so to be. So fire in the mingled with hail. Fire and ice, baby. Wow, fire and ice. Wow, that's too extreme. You what know? you know, and so what happens in this is the the hail is falling and it's basically destroying all the crops. So now God takes their livestock, he takes their health, and now he's taking all of their crops. And so they're going to be utterly decimated the land of Egypt. Um the god of the or the goddess of the sky was Nut. So I was thinking, you know, these people are probably looking up going, "Ah, nuts." You know. It is nuts. <laughs> Ooh. Uh and her father Shu was the god of the wind and air and was a calming god. Um, so interesting stuff how we've gotten through seven plagues. Uh, this is the only seven plagues in this Torah portion. So if you want to know what the last three are, you're either going to have to read your Bible and get ahead of us, or you're just going to have to wait until next week. Listen, I'm telling you right now, we're talking about a story that unfolded 3,500 years ago. Oh, yeah. So in Exodus 9, 27, and Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said unto them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous and I and my people are wicked. You know, Pharaoh's responding to Moses and Aaron, but he doesn't like the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I can assure you of mm-hmm. that. He, he, he might not even believe him. I mean, think about it, everyone. If I say, the Lord said this or the Lord said that, people could say, hey, Pastor Nick says that this is, thus saith the Lord. But that doesn't mean that they believe the Lord. Yeah, They're going to take my word for it or listen. But does that mean that they have a personal relationship with that Lord? No, it does not. No. So he's just saying, hey, listen, man, okay, we get it. All right, I sinned. The Lord is righteous, and I and my people are wicked, you know. And uh, and it's just a, you know, just a, just a, he's just, you know, going with the flow here. He's just still hardening his heart, but he's, but he's having all this unfold, you know. How many times do we got to share with somebody a truth? And they still continue in a certain path. Yeah. And you're like, listen, guys. And this is me with, with, with my pastor friends or whatever. I'm saying, listen, everyone. Right now, out of the nations, people are coming out of the nations that are not Jewish. They want their Hebrew roots. Oh, yeah. You can look it up, look it up on Wikipedia. Ephraim means that it's, it's different ethnic groups. Oh, yeah. You know, and I did my DNA, and I thought it was pretty astounding, pretty interesting, you know, uh, the combination and the mixture. But, but the bottom line is that he's writing Torah on minds and hearts all over the world. So what are we doing at Beit Hila? We're trying to bring order to what God is doing. So now that you're having this done, do it with others. 
Listen, I got seven kids, been married 19 years. Listen, there's a lot of diversity. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, we agree to disagree. I mean, you ever just been in a, in a, in a van full of people and say where you're going to go out to eat? <laughs> oh, Father, that's an excellent choice. Uh, the, the eyes have it. Yeah. No, it's only the back. I don't want pizza. Yeah, no, of course. You know, they actually named a restaurant, uh, I Don't Care. You know, it's a restaurant called I Don't Care. Like, you know, where do you want to go? Oh, I don't care. Oh, Or man. wherever you want to go or something like that, you know? It's, oh, it's wow. Funny. So, so agriculturally speaking, seasonally speaking, we, we find in Exodus 9, verses 31 and 32, and the flax and the barley were smitten, for the barley was in the ear, and the flax was boiled. But the wheat and the rye were not smitten, for they were not grown up. So this is leading us up to Passover, to the early spring. Well, it's letting us know that it was well, probably winter, course, right? We're in winter right now, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking it's probably it, this it could time be, of year. It could be uh, before spring, absolutely, way before spring, but but it's it's going on there. So uh, you know, so so I mean, think about it. In Exodus nine twenty seven, he says, "Okay, Pharaoh says we have sinned. The Lord is righteous, and and, and I and my people are wicked." Yeah, blah blah blah. <laughs> Lord help us. <laughs> but he continued to harden his heart. That's right. Well, and you know, in we, Exodus 9 35, he continues to harden his heart. He does. Well, and how many of us do this, right? It's it's uh today at the time that we're recording this, it's January 2nd. And so how many people are out there making New Year's resolutions as we speak? And uh, you know, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, or this, you know, or I'm gonna serve the Lord, or hey, I've got spiritual goals, and then you know, we fall off the wagon. I think that what happens here is, you know. He gets humbled, but you know he's just not there yet. Where the pain of not changing is greater than the pain. And, I'm and sorry, the pain of changing is, well, whatever. You get the idea. No, I don't. You the, people make changes when the pain of not changing is greater than the pain of changing. Oh well, I mean, think about it. You know, but why are we doing what we're doing? You know, that's why we got to be productive. We have to be productive. You know. So here's a great uh, question that that we have in our little groups uh, every Monday night. We're we're doing our discussion questions. Can we harden our heart towards God and other people? Absolutely. And, and I have time to read all of it, but I, I just want to reference a few a few verses here. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 19, because of the wickedness of their heart, uh, they didn't believe God. And because of their unbelief, they didn't go into the promised land. You know what's so funny, Ryan, is that people don't believe that they're Israel, they're grafted in, they don't believe in the land, they don't believe in the inheritance of the land. And I'm thinking to myself, well, then you lose, then you're not getting it. Yeah. If you're not moving towards it, you can't receive it. Well, that's fine. Correct. The Be gift the is, nations coming up to Israel every year. The gift the of salvation is for all humanity. How do you get it? If it's for all humanity, the way you get it is by receiving it. You have to receive it. So what you're it. saying is God has an inheritance for us. He does. And what do we have to do? We receive have, it. it. We have to receive it. And if you don't receive it, guess what? You don't get it. And you know, and I made, I made mention of this before, and, 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 and it, it might be controversial, but you know, in the story of the prodigal son, you oh. know... Uh, he was in the house at one time, but you know, in order to get his coat back, he's got to go through his brother Judah. He's got to go back to the house where Judah lives. Come on, somebody! Come on, somebody! If, if you don't have Jews in your life, you're missing out. That's all I'm going to say. I agree. There should be some Jewish people in your life, and I'm not counting Seinfeld, okay, or or, or or anybody like that. I'm saying that you need to have Jewish friends. You need to figure this out because we can all talk about redemption. We can all talk about the Messianic age. We can talk about Israel. We can talk about the times we're living in. How? What can we do uh, to, to build a relationship, you know? And like I said, uh, as far as the hardness of the heart, my goodness, we're supposed to love the Lord thy God with all of our heart. That's right. 
soul. Well, and we don't want to harden our hearts towards the things that God is doing. And He wants to circumcise thy heart. So many people are trying to figure, well, what does that mean? What's that all about? He wants to cut away those things that are holding you back That's right. from your heart. Maybe it is disappointment, resentment. I know. I know. i got to have a circumcised heart. He's got to do surgery on me, you know. And I love it in, in, in Psalm 119.11. I've hidden your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Praise God. You know, so yeah, we're battling the 17 works of the flesh, but we have the nine fruits of the Spirit, you know. And in Mark 10.5, Yeshua makes mentioning, he mentions the hardness of heart. Yeah. You know, the heart of the matter, you know. Have a heart, you know. Have a heart. What about the Wizard of Oz? <laughs> I'm just thinking that. Was it the lion? Did he want a heart? No, 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 no. The uh, Tin Man wanted a heart. The Tin Man wanted a heart. Yeah, yeah. The, the lion the, wanted courage. Courage. Yes. Courage. Yes, courage. So <laughs> so the Tin Man wanted a heart, you know, because he's he's tin. He's hard. Like yeah. Some of you, are you the Tin Man running around? He's stiff. Looking for a heart? He's, a he's stiff, stiff neck. You know? I mean, stiff neck. Stiff neck. I know all about that. <laughs> I know all about stiff neck. So we want to examine ourselves, you know, and so many times we get hurt or disappointed and we leave a group or we leave a church. Get through it. Work through it, you know. Uh, I believe that Beit Tehillah's leadership is, is well enough to receive people in that in that way, you know. Hey, you got your feelings hurt, something said, something was said, something was done. But I assure you that we, we have no intention here at Beit Tehillah to, to harm anyone, to hurt anyone. You know, we should all respect one another, get along, have value. And we are uh, changing things around in our service, even as we speak. And I'm going to turn this over to Ryan to conclude this particular podcast uh, and kind of share about some great things that are happening at Bay Tehillah. Well, that's right. So the great things that are happening, I alluded to it earlier in the podcast about the small groups. Um, and just to give credit where credit is due, I got the inclination to talk about the uh, the gods of Egypt in reference to the plagues from Kristen Anderson, who is also going to be our esteemed representative this week. And so every week, what we want to do is we want to take the Torah portion and we want to make it relevant for today. And how do we do that? But by boiling it down to two things that as a group in a consensus, we're saying these are the two lessons that we want to pull out and say that they're worth sharing with the group. That's right. And so... Um, the first thing that we came up with was the, the idea of creation versus the creator, or creator versus the creation. And so God is the creator. And we look and we see the, all these plagues and all these gods of Egypt That's right. and how they're raising up against Him. The God is the creator, and that we shouldn't worship the creation, we should worship the creator. We don't worship the Torah, we worship the author, right? We don't worship the Bible, we worship the writer. Um, and so we want to remember that, uh, that we keep a right perspective on the Creator, because we should keep Him at the center of everything that we do. Uh, and then the second thing uh, was also uh, pretty cool, that God is going to separate us for our redemption, that part of uh, being redeemed by God is that He takes us out. He separates us. And He separates us. That's awesome. I love that. It is. And, and here we think, gosh, all these things are happening in my life. He's separating you. Yeah, that's right. Wow. And so I, I thought, you know, I mean, my group was the best group of all the groups, obviously, because, you know, out of groups, there's only one best, and sorry to the ones that can't be the best group, but our group was the best group. Well, you know, that's, you're a legend in your own mind. Ah, right? whatever. Every group is important. <laughs> Listen, but, uh, but yeah, no, um, we had a great time last night, and so if uh, you're here in our local community and you were 
uh, coming on Monday nights, I would say, hey, now's the time to come and try out Monday nights because you can get plugged into a group, you can get a little intimate, have a little bit more input, listen to what the the people next to you are thinking and, and where they're at. I thought that was very interesting. I found out, you know, some of the people in my group are pretty sharp, and I was very impressed uh, with them and just their Bible knowledge and and their insights and stuff like that that I wouldn't have gotten if I was just sitting there listening, um, you know, or, or thinking on my own. And so praise God. Uh, guys, thanks so much for listening. We love you, and we thank you guys for uh, listening faithfully every week. Uh, as you guys know, we love your your comments, so whatever uh, platform you're using, please like, comment, and subscribe on there. Uh, share it on your social media. Uh, send me an email at ryan at topraise.net. You can call the office here at 813-654-2222. And always remember that you can live stream our services every Shabbat, every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, on topraise.net or any of our social media platforms. God bless you guys. Have a great week.